Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. But when you look at the relative scale of a house that, you know, doesn't matter which country we're talking about, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a house. And so you take uh, one that is commonly used that might be $8 sausage or a cartridge or whatever tube, whatever way you want to put it. And you get the one that's got the lower VOC, but substantially lower VOC, it's $12. So on a mathematical scale, that's 50% more, but you're only using two, 20 of those tubes. And so yeah. you're paying four, you know, you're paying uh, four dollars times 20, 80 bucks to reduce, in some cases, the VOC count by 70 fold. It's around the house. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is around the house. with Eric G and Caroline B where we talk home improvement, healthy homes, interior design, building every single week. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Good morning, Caroline, depending where we're at in the country. Hi. Hi, hi, everyone. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Well, we've got a special guest in the studio today, Andrew Guido from Earth Homes. Welcome to Around the House, my friend. Thank you very much, Eric and Caroline. I'm just so delighted and uh, excited and a little bit scared to be on this call, but this has been fantastic. <laughs> I, I've been li- I've been catching up on around the house and listening to you guys and just getting a feel. And it's incredible to cut co- the subjects that you cover, uh, not to mention the rock stuff. Yeah. Well, and you know, oh, you- yeah. If you come on with the last name Guido and you've got a New Jersey girl in the house, we, we've got some stuff to talk about. So that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hear you got some great pizza places in New Jersey. Uh, we're the best. That's what I hear. Eric we argues, had a though. battle on the pizza, even though we got named by the, having Portland. the best pizza in Portland getting by Bloomberg. You know, I'll take we'll take that trophy. I don't believe that. That that was like somebody paid off somebody. Portland over New York and New Jersey for pizza. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't happen. And my wife's family being from half of her family being from Sicily, she wasn't uh, she wasn't too embarrassed by taking that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so let's talk healthy homes here and building homes. These are like my passions all in one. And Caroline, this is her expertise as well. So let's dive into this subject because it's such an important one. And it was funny. I just got into a debate here early on this week on one of the social media pages that I'm on. And it's one of the old house kind of pages. And there was this grand debate going on, including that they're like, well, I'd rather have my 1910 home filled with asbestos and lead and, and mold than have a new house. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And there was like 500 comments from everybody on it. It was just a a free for all. But let's talk about smart building because it's just something that 
some people get and some people don't understand. No, I think uh, for sure, for sure. And we've seen like such a slow evolution of homes over the last century. Uh, you know, the, great, the greatest amount of change happened after World War II when we discovered chemistry to such an extreme. Um, and unfortunately, the laws and regulations haven't kept up with how smart the chemists are and with what they're able to do. And so you've got public side that really needs to regulate and you've got the private side that is incredibly innovative. And if we can only aim that innovation, that it lines up with health, we'd be ahead of where we are now in terms of all of the health crises we've got across the world. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, it's just one of those things that, and what's strange is across the United States, and even for the people that are living outside the U.S., there is not one building code that builders follow. You know, in some states, uh, they require all these different things, and then in others, they say you don't even have to have a range hood in the kitchen as long as you open the window up, you're fine. And so we've got, you know, in Colorado, there's one code in Oregon, there's one in New Jersey, there's another, and it's really hard to keep people on the same page. Yeah, it's tough. And then I'm in Canada, so we follow, you know, the Canadian National Building uh, Code. Uh, and every province um, can either follow the National Building Code if they're, got a, if they're large enough, or they can have their own, which Ontario, where I am, has the Ontario Building Code, and it's kind of strays on its own in terms of on the energy side. You can mm -hmm. uh, you can uh, develop your own unique requirements for the province based on on, on our requirements, but it it um, municipalities now also change and with what their requirements are, and you've got municipalities coming out with their own green building standards, uh, and those requirements. You've got some municipalities where we are, where radon is evident and there's no question about it but there's some where there, you find the hard rock um, mm -hmm. is even more evident where they insist on having complete radon solutions where others uh, you can get away with it you don't have to have it unless there's uh, proof of otherwise can you just tell us andrew about earth homes and and why you started it what it is and just so our audience has an idea and explain that you are in canada and what you're trying to accomplish with home building Thanks. So I'm a little bit nuts. Um, and you know, I follow my passions, uh, and welcome to the so, club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah welcome. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. So we're, 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 we're the audience can't really see, uh, my, uh, gray hair. I believe that's what you promised me. No, <laughs> no, we see 20. What do you mean? I see 27. Yeah. Yeah. I see muscles. Yeah. I see, I mean, come on. That's just flour from bacon bread. Now get back yeah. to the story. So. <laughs> yeah. So where I should be winding down, I wound up. And in 2017, I wanted to really understand what was inside the air that I'm breathing inside my house. Uh, my daughter's got asthma. Um, my uh, son has severe allergies. Seasonal allergies is what we think it is. And, you know, we've had other challenges uh, around us. Uh, and so I took one course at the Building Biology Institute in Santa Fe, New Mexico, thinking, you know, just follow my curiosity. And before you knew it, I was going there as many times as I could steal time. Uh, <laughs> and I eventually three years went by and I graduated as a certified building biologist in 2019. Nice. Um, and and I, I then went and spent another two years to get all of my credits to become a licensed builder in my province. Cool. Um, writing the dreaded Ontario Building Code exam, uh, uh -oh. and, and and not e not e not easy, but I got I got through it. And really, what I wanted to do was 
really just trying to understand. And in the end, I saw so many deficiencies and um, realized very, very late in the process that this is complex. And there are so many elements that contribute to the indoor environment. It's not only air, which we're really, really should be pre preoccupied with, but it's also water quality. It's also the noise levels that we hear, depending on whether we're urban or whether we're in the suburbs or whether we're rural, uh, with some, what some of those things are. Uh, we've got light that you know we don't really understand, and we've got LED lights that all of a sudden replace lights in the blink of a flash, and uh, now we're finding out that we've got uh, potential phototoxins that are happening because of the blue light not firing in the right uh, spectrum. Uh, and so as I got deeper into this, I kind of like backed my way into saying, you know what, I'm going to create a concept. I'm going to build uh, some homes. I'm going to understand as I go along. Uh, and hopefully there'll be other builders that will want to follow and other, want to understand uh, what we really need to create this safer indoor environment. We won't get it all right, but at least we can make a dent in the process. Nice, nice. It's funny, you know, just comparing Canada and the United States, even building codes and how things are done there, there's a huge difference. You'd think in North America that we'd be on the same page. But uh, I've learned a lot. My buddy Damon Bennett, who is on Homes on Homes up there, uh, he's a really good friend of mine. And yes. every time him and I sit there and have a pint or we go for long walks <laughs> on these trips where we go hike a city for the morning before we get together, I learn about the things and go, really? That's how you guys do it? And <laughs> it's amazing how different it is. Great example. You had to go take that big test to be a contractor up there, right? To be a builder. Yes. In yeah. Washington State, which is right across the river from me, if you wanted to do the same thing, you call your insurance company, you get your bond and insurance, you go down and fill out paperwork, you spend about $1,000, and now you're a contractor and you know everything. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's wild. It's really wild. Yeah, and, and you know, even in our, our space that we're talking about today, there is no standard for what is a healthy home. Mm -hmm. um, and so no two people could come out and test the house and come out with the same results, depending on the test testing, depending on the day they're testing, depending on what's happening outside, depending what they're looking for. We have an outdoor air index. I look at it and, you know, I'm pretty much, I, 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 I get it. You know, this is a good day. This is a bad day. This is high pollen. This is going to be high particulates. We don't have anything like that for indoor where we spend 90% or maybe 100% of our time, right. uh, which is kind of crazy. Well, and then also what you're like, and you get back to what you just said, what you're looking for, right? And you and I had this discussion, Andrew, someone come in, could come in and say, okay, your volatiles are good, your particulates good. And they say, okay, this is a healthy home. And someone like me comes in and says, wait a minute, your neighbor spraying glyphosate, let's take the duct work, let's analyze the filter. And uh oh, you've got carcinogen all over this supposed healthy home. And the industry has gotten to a point where it is so vast as to what I have to look for now. You know, it used to be I looked for mold. I looked for allergens. Now it's like I'm looking at the chemical compounds. Is it lead? Is it asbestos? Is it radon? What's in the water? Do I have PFAS? Do we have um, pesticides, glyphosate? And it just, they keep adding. And I thought in this industry, oh my gosh, someday I'm going to go out of business because there's just not going to be enough homes to test for mold. And then everything just keeps getting bigger, more complex. And the building industry just keeps adding more and more engineered product, which we don't even know the half of what that does. So it's it's incredible, really, that we've got this problem that's just a rabbit hole. 
Yeah. yeah. And you know, and you know, the time I spent in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I couldn't believe the number of naturally built homes, the homes built with Adobe homes that I, I, you know, I went and saw um, an ancient uh, Indian reserve. Um, I think the house may have been a thousand years old. Something of that is what I was told. Was that one of those um, cliff dwellings down there? No, it wasn't a cliff dwelling, but okay. it was, uh, it, it was a long drive to get yeah. to it. <laughs> you just wanted to go to New Mexico in, in the wintertime, didn't you, to get out of there? Yeah. You're like, I got classes, guys. Sorry, I'll see you in May. <laughs> you know, we strayed so far from what we uh, created a century ago. Um, and, you know, and unfortunately, along with it went the skills and the craftsmanship That's and right. the care. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're caught now because, you know, population in both countries are exploding. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got people that are coming in. Uh, we've got a housing crisis on both sides of affordability. Uh, we've got, you know, the millennials had a really, really rough time in 2007 and 2008. Yep. Uh, you know, at that time, they had the highest home ownership of any um, group in American history. And that was the group that got hit and hurt the most mm -hmm. and moved into the rental because of what, what ended up happening. We had, we didn't have quite the crisis here because we've got uh, heavier bank regulation uh, regulations, but yep. we still got hit and, you know, it was still, you know, a tough, a tough time uh, for doing it. So we've got to figure this out and we got to, you know, if the, the more that we can, and there is some great science, uh, you know, there's some stuff that can tell us now what's in the air. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got, you know, we, we can make visible what was invisible, you That's know, right. you know, a radon test is over here. It's $50 to $60 mm -hmm. um, for a radon test. And uh, you'll know what your uh, level is um, without having to uh, uh, wait and just a guess, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more here um, in my area because they come in, they set up the machine, they keep the doors closed. They run that test for, for a number of hours and I can't remember what the recent ones are that I've seen, but that'll, you know, they run the machine and uh, all the doors have to be kept pretty much closed windows closed. And they do a, a like a 12 hour or 24 hour test here in my area that you see when they, when they do those tests. But, uh, but I'm in a very high radon area. And the bad part here is, is that we also have earthquakes. And so what's happened I've seen is that we'll have a radon test be perfect. Somebody will sell the house, We'll have some earthquake activity, small stuff. And then all of a sudden they've got high radon in the house because they passed two years ago. But with that earthquake activity, it has changed some of the paths of radon. And uh, all of a sudden that house that was clean two years ago is now got high radon. Yeah. It's the same reason why your neighbor might have high radon and you have low radon, you know, depending on the path and the soil uh, mm -hmm. um, with what, you know, you, with, with what you experience. And for and for people who don't realize what radon does, right, it's the number one carcinogen amongst people who are non-smokers. So when we look at this odorless, colorless gas that comes up from the ground, from rock, it creates a carcinogen in our homes. And so I like to tell my clients actually to go down to home, you know, a home improvement store, whichever one you pick, they usually have a uh, two canister test. You always want to do a two canister, not a one, and make sure you're mm -hmm. testing um, usually it's a three day minimum 
and you can just pick it up. It costs about 50 bucks and you can do it yourself, a DIY, do your radon test, put it in the lowest level of your home and make sure it's easy to do. So you can actually do it now yourself. And I recommend all my clients do it when I'm working with them because it's something that, you know, it's just a DIY. I don't have to get involved and I just read it. And you want to be below four picocuries. That's the key. But I mean, mostly I'm shooting for a zero, right? You don't want carcinogen in your house, period. But the yeah. government gives you this four range, which, you know, to me, I'd like to see zero. Yeah. And in Canada, we, we use a different uh, measurement system, which is uh, Becquerel's. Mm-hmm. And so your four equals are roughly 150. But our standard is too high. We're at 200 Becquerel's. So we'd be over four mm-hmm. um, in doing it. And I don't understand it. You know, who um, standard is, that's WHO, uh, yeah. is 100. Uh, Becquerel's, which would be less than four uh, Pecuries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I believe that you get it as low as, as, as possible. Exactly. Um, you want you zero. Get, you, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you want zero. You don't want to live next to, a, next to an x-ray machine, you know, and uh, this is the challenge. When I did it on my side, because I live on the fanatical side of uh, almost everything. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, 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 I did the, I, I did the, um, the puck test uh, that was given by a lab. Um, mm-hmm. I put a $2,000 instrument for three months in, in, the, in my home, and I put a $300 instrument from the same company um, in my home. The $300 instrument was unreliable. Uh, the $2,000 instrument was almost dead on. Like, you know, there was mm-hmm. differences in doing mm-hmm. it. And then when you, with, with the benefit of the instrument, I could actually see the earth breathing. Uh, you know, you can get, you get to see the spikes and the valleys and the spikes in the valleys. And, you know, a couple of times I shot up to 300 Becquerels. I go, oh, my God. I love um, that description, and, though. Andrew, I love that description. Yeah. I can see the earth breathing. How cool yeah. is that? I really yeah. like that. There's another another word that I, would, I was going to use, but we just met. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, wait a minute. That tells us one thing. You haven't listened to enough of the shows yet. (laughs) You don't know around the house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and, you know, it has a lot to do also with what's going on outside um, and the pressure that's created um, inside. And it has a lot to do with like, you know, if your home's positively or negatively charged That's right. and are you keeping your exhaust fans on too long? And, you know, is your exhaust over the kitchen hood on is it's very strong. Some people have got these monster hoods that are over a thousand CFM. Eric. And, me. <laughs> yeah. It's only 1200 CFM. What are you talking uh, about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, for, for all, all those reasons, you know, um, but now I can see it. Yeah, and I it no longer feels like an invisible uh, uh, alien that's in my home. I got something I can actually do something about. Yeah, I would love in my house in a perfect world to have an app that is no different than my heating and cooling system that I can look on, and it just tells me real time what's going on in my house. Do I have negative pressure? Do I have positive pressure? What is the mold? What is the radon? What is, I would just love to have something like that down the road where I can, I can just look at my phone and go, we're looking good today. All systems are working. And uh, one day maybe we'll have that, but we still today, we can send people to Mars almost, but we still haven't been able to figure out how to tell us how healthy our (laughs) home is right this second inside our own homes. Yeah. But there's some there's some um, crude, but good measures like CO2. I have a CO2 monitor right behind me, and it's now saying that I've got 653 parts per million, 
in this uh, in my room. I've closed the door so that we don't we don't hear anybody. I mm-hmm. opened up my window so that I can keep the air exchange uh, at a reasonable level. If that hits a thousand ppm, I'm going to start drifting and I'm going to start sounding a little bit more stupid. Please, so, <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, it's not me. It's the CO2. It's the CO2 in the room. Yeah. It's not me yeah. sounding stupid. So but, yeah, but it's it, it's crude, and I know Caroline has a long list of offenders and toxins. But it 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 can give you a very, at least an idea of what's going on. It's not going to tell you if you got VOCs or MVOCs mm-hmm. uh, in the room, but it'll give you an idea. And if you can get that air exchange going on better um, mm-hmm. and keeping things in place, at least it's a start That's um, right. that you can do. Whether whether it's a new home, which you badly need um, to uh, help the off gassing get out, mm-hmm. or an existing home where you know you can monitor it and uh, maybe be a little bit more intermittent. And I think, Andrew, too, I think we tell our clients there's no perfect scenario. So if we can get yeah. anybody educated on doing some sort of testing, whether it's radon, carbon dioxide, particulate, you're doing one of these things, you're, we're moving in the right direction. And that's our job, right, Andrew, and, and as well, Eric, to educate people on why they need to monitor their homes. Yeah, exa- exactly. And I think people need to also, you know, there's th- th- this is one where we all have to band together to put the pressure on the manufacturers to put the good stuff out, you know, and I've been, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of designing one, a custom home uh, in Toronto and I'm at the design stage. Um, And I've got a production home with a major home builder that we've uh, come to an agreement to do uh, a home that will, we will test Um, in both cases are different kinds of manufacturers, different kinds of uh, uh, materials. But in every case, most of the common manufacturers, have things that they don't tell you about that you can get yep. that you can get these sealants and you can get these um, uh, paints um, that have low VOC content. Um, you just have to know how to ask and you have to hold them to hold their feet to the fire on some of the things that they say. Uh, and so, you know, the more the more aware a consumer is, uh, the better off it'll be mm-hmm. um, in the 90s. Now I'm going to date myself. Ah. I got paid. <laughs> Uh, um, and this is a true story. I got paid to um, tour pastry shops in Europe. Um, oh, so I have a, wow. I know. Wait I know. a minute. Wait a minute. This yeah. is crazy. Here comes and actually, we have. You, so you got paid. Okay, hold on. I got something for you here because. Uh oh. Here's the music. Go ahead and talk about getting paid to. Uh, yeah. so, baby. So, so, I, so I'm in the pastry capital, one of the pastry capitals of the world, uh, uh, Belgium. Uh, and um, I'm trying a croissant. Do you know how hard it was to find a bad croissant? Um, and, you know, and, mo- and most, like everybody there knows a good croissant is flaky. It makes a mess. Mm-hmm. You it's wear a it? Little bit on the, it's a little bit on the crunchy side. Um, and, you know, it has a certain flavor and uh, uh, profile. You come to North America, and it doesn't matter whether it's Canada or the United States, because I've tried a lot of them, unfortunately. <laughs> it's spongy. There's no mess. And we've been taught to say, that's a good croissant. And, no. and so, you know, so, you know, you'd go bankrupt <laughs> in Europe. You'd go bankrupt. And, you know, my trip also took me into Paris um, and nice. uh, to tour the cafes uh, there. And how they create it, it's the ambiance. It's, you know, the feeling uh, this, I don't know, my French is not that great, but the joie de vivre, I think is ah. what it is. And it's, you know, you want to experience and feel 
um, the food as part of a lifestyle. It's not by itself. It's not something that, you know, we don't pull into a gas station and fill up with food and get out, you know? Right. Uh, it's, it's an the, experience. It's, it's the, yes. It's an experience. And it's the same thing with home building. If the consumer would get more educated, the builder, and I speak to a lot of them, and many of them don't take up anything that I'm talking about. They think I'm insane, that I'm adding costs, I'm adding procedures, and I'm adding uh, process changes. Um, and they don't think a customer would care. Mm. And, you know, and I, and I, and I believe they're so wrong. Um, yeah. and they are you know, wrong. like, like in every almost new, um, generational shift, there's a lead, um, user, and then there's the mass market and then there's mm -hmm. the laggards, uh, that come way, way after they have to make absolutely sure that everybody else paid the price of learning and that the manual is uh, complete. We're not at that stage. We're at the early yeah. stage and we need these early adopters to help us create the momentum and to help us create the market. Um, and what we've learned with technology in less than five years, you can change an entire industry as we've learned, you know, with the mobile phone um, yeah. and who was yeah. dominant before and who's dominant now. Absolutely. Well, by the way, you lost me a croissant and I did find a North American <laughs> croissant. Yeah. And I'll tell you this story. Last a couple weekends ago, I was in Seattle here uh, for our last preseason Seahawks game, and so I was up there. And in the morning, we wanted to get back because I had a busy day ahead on a Sunday. So we get, hit my favorite little bakery there, which Tom Douglas owns, and he's, you know, got a, I think two or three James Beard Award winning. And I got wow. you know, so he's he knows his stuff, and it's this little bakery. And I go in there and I get two of his croissants because I used to work across the street from it. So I know what I'm looking for. <laughs> and it was right across the street from the hotel. We get in the car and I take a napkin. I put it over the front of my shirt because we're driving and eating. And I take a bite out of it. And it sounds like I'm taking a piece of French bread and breaking it yeah. with the crunch. And Julie looks over to me and goes, oh, God, that's a real croissant because it, it explodes. <laughs> you know, and there's flakes just all over me. And she goes, at first she didn't want it. She goes, can I have a bite of that? <laughs> and she, as she said, that that was the right, you know, real European style croissant. And uh, are they in North America? No. Generally speaking, no. But if you go to Seattle, I got the place to send you. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but but we can get there like look at yes. the average person knows what ram is on your computer you know yeah. knows what the hard drive is supposed to do you know knows a little bit about the processor and whether the processor is right knows whether it windows 10 versus dos you know the average the average person's got there and we need to do the same thing in the building industry because i think it's the only way to change uh the incredible inertia that we've got Mm -hmm. um, that's here because it's killing us. Uh, you know, we are, we are, um, an ill nation. Um, I think the stats in Canada are one in 10 over, uh, in the adage category in the eight, sorry, in the adult category, I think it's over 20 has got one chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the chronic disease is defined by something that lasts a year that you need medical attention or you have to take a pill or something mm -hmm. of that, of that right. nature. And, you know, there's too many of this. You know, yeah. we've, we, we track almost the same. I don't know your, your numbers completely, but 10% of Canadians suffer from asthma. I don't know if that's the same number in the United States. I think you're pretty close to that. I'd yeah, bet I so. Think, I'd bet a, so. I think but you know, the average person. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say ahead. the average person knows 
that when they have a dozen people over at their house and they have dinner and everybody afterwards getting sleepy and they know that that happens every time that they have people over because people are kind of nodding off. If, if they had even something as simple as one of the new Velux skylights, it would sit there and read the CO2 level in the house and it would open up, they would realize that, oh, wait a minute, I just have way too much stuff in the air. And if we ventilated the house at this moment, we would have a healthier indoor air quality. Even something like that as simple as a skylight can start to make a difference without even putting in crazy systems. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the best light is from above. It's, you know, it gives you the best quality light overall. How many of us have been in meetings where you start falling asleep and you don't want to, it's because the room is closed. There's no exchange air exchange that you, that you need. Uh, and so you're not bringing any oxygen in and all, all we're doing is breathing each other CO2. And this <laughs> of course is the pre pre COVID world. You know, it's interesting too, and- like pre pre COVID talking about COVID um, we talk about lighting is that just by increasing the amount of light, of natural light you have in a room, you can actually reduce your bacteria count and virus count by 50%. And so when we went to these energy efficiency windows and doors, and we went to these smaller windows, particularly in the 60s and 70s, you know, we were building maybe 10% of the room had light. Now we look at, okay, let's put 30% windows in, let's put 40%. The more we can include natural light into the room, we're going to kill bacteria and viruses naturally. So to me, you know, COVID is sort of that springboard that has caused us, or at least in my part of the world, to look at lighting and how essential natural lighting is and increase it. Yeah. And as I, I mentioned earlier in uh, our talk, um, we've got these LED lights that have now dominated almost all I hate them. We had this conversation lighting. about it. I'm sorry. I'm not an <laughs> yeah. LED fan. And I have fan. them everywhere yeah. in my house. Eric loves them. I hate them. Tell him, Andrew, <laughs> yeah. tell tell Eric about- It's time the education yeah. for Eric. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you know what? I've, I'm, I'm, I'm early in the game, but I've uh, done a deep dive uh, in, into it. And the more blue light during the day that's natural that we can take into our body, it will actually help us at night- create the right level of melatonin to help us sleep better. And then during the afternoons to the evening, um, we have to shift that blue light that's great during the day um, into uh, a lower, if you can get it to zero. And there's you know a handful of manufacturers that can get down to zero now. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a thousand manufacturers that can get down to zero. And, and doing it, the better off we're gonna be. The problem with LED lights, it's gone unsupervised. And so it fires off in the wrong spectrum level. So mm-hmm. you're getting really poor blue light. It's not hitting where you need uh, mm-hmm. to go. And if you don't get that l- level of blue light, if you're indoors, you're not going outside, uh, which I would recommend everybody to get outside in the first five minutes of the day and get to get as much light as you can as you can get. If you're not getting that that light and you're only a, um, depending on the interior artificial blue light, you're going to have problems at the other end of the day. The day, and then if you're not dimming your light or if the, you don't have Uh, color tuning capabilities for doing it, you're not going to get the lower level of blue light. At least if you can take it down, Mm -hmm. um, it'll, it'll help you. So Andrew, let's talk about my house for a second, since it's the education of Eric here and the, our (laughs) listening audience at the moment. So my house is probably over 40% glass. Um, I mean, we have got, it's a 1977 contemporary, but I'm in the woods. So I have lots of Lots of windows with no blinds technically on them. I mean, we have light coming in when there's light. 
other than the bedroom, everything else is full light coming in, uh, even though it's shaded, but that's what it is. And then all my lights, for instance, in here are fairly high end and they're about 27, 2800 Kelvin because I like the yellower light versus yeah. the refrigerator office light. Mm. Is that a little bit healthier than if I went to a 3000 or 4000 Kelvin where it's just that bright, wow, I'm in a hospital or a office complex? Uh, no, listen, no question. You're you're practically living outside. Uh, and so you are the equivalent of living like a squirrel. And so you're, 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 I you're can get, think of some other animals it. he resembles, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, we'll oh. go with squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> honey badger, honey badger, we'll go with that one. Yeah. So, so, so you're you're probably hitting all the right uh, numbers and getting the right blue light. And then you know, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what happens to the waves because there's part of our brain where we need that infrared light uh, to come in, and it actually hits. Um, a central part of our brain that so you know we're we're uh, getting something other than the visibility side and only 20 years ago uh, they discovered a photoreceptor in our brain that has nothing to do with visibility it has to do with biological impact um, and so you know you're getting it naturally in terms of doing it you know I got this really really fancy uh, light meter that I acquired and you know your audience won't be able to see it but I'll show you uh, we'll on it. it it's half the size of a cigarette pack Oh, that's, um, cool. that's cool. And and um, it's about two thousand um, dollars. I just that's opened so cool. Up the, I, I just I just opened <laughs> up so I just cool. opened up the receptor. You can see the receptor receptor there. Oh, that's and so nice. I'm, I'm taking pictures everywhere. Within a fraction of a second, I get what natural daylight is, and I get uh, what the room light is uh, in doing it. What is um, that called, and Andrew? Up, what is that called? Uh, so people this can. This is the the Ascense Tech. Um, or if you put, I think it's lighting passport um, that's on it. Um, it gives you the spectrum that you're in, and it gives you 50 other things that I don't understand uh, I'm, because <laughs> awesome. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning learning about it, you know, and um, trying to understand it. But the best way to learn is to have the tool and take, you know, I'm I'm everywhere where I'm taking snapshots of light and taking snapshots at night and seeing what the uh, uh, luminosity is and what's coming off and. Uh, off, off different things is an angle re, uh, change things that's you know what's happening with my computer screen is it changing things where I'm sitting does it change things so you know this is the best way to learn and uh, in, in doing it so the, the key that I would tell you though is make sure that you're dark at night um, and um, recently my wife got me to do something and hopefully it doesn't sound too bad but I wear a mask now at night over my eyes mm -hmm. um, and I cannot believe how comfortable being extremely dark, like you go full dark out and how quickly I now fall asleep because of it. You want to create that with your shades and with your room. And if you can't, a $10 mask is going to create the no same thing. No more howling at the moon, blind. Eric. Eric howls <laughs> at the moon. He tells me, he's like, oh, yeah. I leave my windows open. I can see the moon. Yeah, yeah, that's the only problem with the windows is that we get on a full moon night, we do get a little bit of uh, of light in there. And otherwise, it's pitch black. But when I can wake up in the middle of the night and go, wow, it's a little bright in here, look up through my windows because I have a vaulted ceiling and literally see the moon, which is kind of cool. But I end up hitting the blind on the motor shade to, to shut it down at some point because all of a sudden it starts to get daylight in the bedroom. Yeah, I, I read a study a long time ago about chickens. Um, and how they put light in a corner. Um, and, you know, when the chickens went to sleep, 
um, their eyeballs went towards the light in the corner and they ended up being distorted. And so even though your eyes are closed, um, we could have the same biological effect uh, with what's happening. So there's so much that, that we don't know about ourselves. You know, uh, white noise is an example. We don't know it's noisy. And, you know, when I, when I moved um, from the city into the suburbs as a kid, um, it took me a couple of years to get used to the fact that I was on an airplane route and, you know, uh, the noise from all the jets and everything else. Mm -hmm. Fast forward about five years later, I now got friends. I'm old enough to have friends coming over and going through it. And they're going, what's that terrible noise? I go, what noise? <laughs> you yep. know, and you don't know. Your brain has now canceled it out. Uh, but it's actually, you're, you're actually hearing it uh, subconsciously and it's stressing you out. You don't know it, but it is. And that's the same with olfactory fatigue, right? With our noses. So people start bringing in the air fresheners, the pod detergent, whatever you want to bring in as a smell and your body goes nose blind to it and you stop smelling it. And then the carcinogens get higher and higher. So it's the same principle. Our bodies have this way of sort of signaling it out, but in reality, it's not good for us. Well, I've walked into so many homes that had mold because I'm allergic to mold and I am like the canary in the coal mine. I can walk into a place and be two steps inside of a front door and take a couple of breaths in and my chest tightens up. And so I can walk in and go, where's your moisture problem at? <laughs> and they go, how'd you know? We've been fighting mold. I could smell it. It's no different to me than walking in somebody that has cats that are out of control that have been peeing on carpets and furniture in that or rats where you smell that ammonia smell and all those different things. To me, when I go in, I can be that canary in the coal mine going, I can tell you have a problem before you even brought it up. <laughs> but to them, they don't notice a single thing about it. It smells natural. Yeah, my wife is like yours, but she uses it differently. So if I've gone to a function and you know, you're <laughs> hugging somebody and I, come home, I get the smell test, I'm going, okay, who are you with? Oh, that's uh, never yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. That that's that's a that's a wife function though. That's a pretty good wife function. I think that's a, that's almost every wife. Ew. How many people do you hug? <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, by the way, I wanted to talk a little bit too about your baking hobbies there, man. What's this yes. about you cooking bread? I'm excited. Foodie. Yeah, so so I, I have a little bit of a baking background where you know I was responsible for a chain, um, and but I was never the baker, and so in 2019 I decided to take up sourdough bread. So I'm there oh. before COVID, oh. and so you know it took me about three four months to get my Levon right. This is the water and flour mixture, and it mm -hmm. you know you it rises and falls, rises and falls, and it has a certain clock as well, biological, because you're creating all these microbes inside. Um, and you're creating actually enzymes that are really good for your belly. Um, they're really, really good for you in terms of, you know, as a, as a I think it's a prebiotic yeah. um, uh, with what with what it has. So I played around, messed around eventually, because I'm, again, as I said, I'm a self-confessed fanatic. Um, started reading as much as possible, took a couple of baking courses online during COVID and some great people in the LA region and uh, mm -hmm. California region that we're uh, putting classes on. Um, and so I started making sourdough bread and giving them away. And I always realized like I made two loaves, but I got nothing. 
Oh my god! And he sent me these pictures, Eric. Oh my god, his breads. And and I'm I'm lucky. I have a farm stand that's right up the road from my office. And this woman bakes the same as you, fresh sourdough bread every day. And she makes olive loaf and she makes a cheddar loaf. And oh my god, Andrew, it's like I could literally gain ten pounds just every day. I go down and get this fresh bread. And his breads are beautiful that he makes. Like Andrew makes like he sent me pictures and we were exchanging a little bit. And oh my god, they're exquisite. It's like you don't even want to eat it because they're so pretty. Yeah. That, so Andrew, we'll that, give your addresses right now. So as you continue <laughs> baking into the fall, you can We're just uh, send accept. those in a box. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, like like everything else, you get into it, and you and you, it's something that you love doing. So you know, I got into bread art and oh. using razors to cut and seeing what happens, and you create loaves that have got these wonderful leaf it's kind amazing. of structures and <sighs> and uh, uh, wheat chief uh, structure, and you can create you know all different kinds of very unique shapes, which kind of leads us back into the healthy house. Uh, because, you know, part of what I'm doing also is to incorporate biophilia, uh, which is a fancy way of our love of nature. And the disconnection that we've had by going into these geometric homes that have got no uh, comparison in nature, uh, right. walls that look exactly the same that have got no comparison in nature. <laughs> nature. And so, you know, we're, we are very uh, big fractal seeking um, humans. We'd love things that are irregular. Um, and I think our brain goes kind of wonky when we got repeated patterns and there's no mystery um, mm. ar around it. You know, we'd love things that have shade and color and uh, complexity to it. And it's polychromatic versus mono. Um, on it, and it, and I've been trying to find a way to cost-effectively include plaster back into the homes. Nice. Uh, some mm. something that you know is hydroscopic that can absorb moisture, so it's like a fail-safe feature that if your moisture level goes high, uh, you've got these hydroscopic walls that can absorb uh, some of that moisture content and then release it when you need it. Um, and so you know it connects to everything being different, and you know baking every loaf is different i wish i could make a couple of loaves i made before <laughs> and going you know i had one loaf that was so symmetrical with all my lines i go how is this possible you know and, <laughs> and, 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 and i'll never see this loaf again <laughs> see and then and then i go bake and i score the top i'm thinking i've watched the british baking show enough yeah. and i do it and the whole side blows out and it looks like it's uh like it, like yeah. it exploded and i'm like oh that didn't work <laughs> yeah, if you, if you you don't want me baking for you yeah. at all, unless you want a cake that's like inverted upside down, it's oozing <laughs> out of the pan, the the range isn't set at the appropriate temperature. No, no, I'm not a baker. Forget it. So I'm going to rely on Andrew to send me stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the uh, the thing about sourdough and there's like the 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 chase for complexity, but for me it's about the holy grail. It's about the hole in the breadcrumb. Yep. And how big can I make that hole and how consistent oh. can I make it? And it's just like, it gives everything, you know, I'm almost eating it before I even <laughs> eat it. All right. I'm going to go get some bread. I'm gonna go, <laughs> Caroline, you finish this show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm a sourdough junkie. It, it has been something since I was a little kid that uh, my mom likes sourdough. I have always loved it. And uh, you know, my, my, Gauge of sourdough is always against, as a kid, was against San Francisco. That was kind of my yeah. sourdough, yeah. you know, gauge. Bodine, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, they're the, I, I understand they may be the oldest uh, and maybe the the inventor of sourdough during the gold rush. Yeah. Um, and so I've had the pleasure of being at Boudin in, in San Francisco and in Chicago. I don't know if it's still there, mm-hmm. uh, but I visited when I was in there. And also in New York, like, you know, you crazy, crazy places in New York that you can go if you're mm-hmm. a, uh, a foodie. Mm-hmm. That's me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got to yeah. get out that way, too. But so what are some of the things that you would like to see, Andrew, change in the industry right now as we kind of work towards the education process of homeowners? Because a lot of times that's what ends up driving, you know, the market saying, hey, we want to have something because you always it seems that the building community will push back against the environmental scientists because they're, they they have their arguments of they want to crank houses out and kick them out. There's always that kind of right hook, left hook between those groups. But it seems that the consumer always pushes in the end what's going on. And I see Carolyn wanting to speak to that too. Yeah. And I want to say that one, you're speaking to um, the person who educates at the building show. So Eric does what, 19, 19 education sessions at Uh, the International Building Show. So he's the person to get that message out. So what we're seeing now, and we have a lot of these big companies come on, you know, from Panasonic to Brown Newtone. Um, We just had, um, someone else was talking about healthy homes as they came on. This is the agenda now that they are all, these companies are starting to push healthy homes, which is huge, right? In 20 years, over 20 years, I've been an inspector pushing healthy homes. And this is the first, I think, year after COVID that we've seen this like all the companies are on board. Energy efficiency, I think, is being pushed to the side. And wouldn't you agree, Eric, every time we talk to someone, it's a healthy home agenda. So take yeah. it away, Andrew. Energy and- efficiency seems to be the the side story now where three years ago that was the lead. And now it's now all of a sudden the marketing departments have figured out that healthy is the key that everybody's looking for. And they're all trying to answer those questions. Yeah, and it's happening in the wellness space overall with wellness increasing, you know, spas when they come back online, they were doing really, really well. I'm not sure at this stage because COVID distorted every number that, sure. you, that you, could look, you could look at in doing it. I think this is a multi-pronged approach. I'm meeting some great builders. Um, and so they're just getting their courage up. Uh, and I think with a little bit more evidence, they'll, they'll, com- they'll come around. But I honestly believe this is going to be a consumer-driven uh, thing. I think they're going to cut out the middlemen. Um, and they're going to push and ask tough questions of their builder um, saying, why aren't we doing this or why aren't we doing that? So I don't want to throw the building industry under the bus because I think the change has to come from all parts. Um, And I think they all are going to play a role. And as we educate uh, the supply chain, and it has to go all the way across, the trades have got to learn that by them not doing a good job on their side, doesn't matter how good the building material is, it's just not not going to work. You know, and uh, that's the tough part. And the builders are so challenged. They've got rising construction uh, material costs. You guys know what's happened with wood and uh, and the crisis that we had over the last uh, six months to uh, a year um, yeah. on, on supply. I understand in Italy that they're selling cars without radios because they can't get processors. And they'll say, hey, mm-hmm. buy the car now. And then when we get the radio, we'll, we'll install it. Uh, it's happening know, it here year, too. It might take a year and a half. Yeah, Ford has a hundred and something thousand F one fifty sitting in a in a in a racetrack parking lot that don't have the computer chips that they can ship out. So absolutely, yeah. yeah so it's so it's it's a tough thing, but it has to happen because the evidence is so compelling that the air we breathe inside our home as the number one for me uh, um, uh, evil uh, is just not good. 
And you know, it, you know if you got sick tomorrow, uh, someone who's got multiple chemical sensitivity, they got a gift because they, you know, and I, I don't want to belittle, you know, because that person's really challenged. And I know several people like that, but they know immediately they shouldn't be in that house or they know immediately they shouldn't be wearing that coat or they know immediately that something's not right. I don't. Um, I, I'm, I'm inside there and it could be terrible toxic level and I can't seem to detect it um, yeah. uh, with it. So, you know, it's 10, 20 years. That's the, that's the effect. And because we're building homes that are so airtight, uh, it's taking a lot longer for these emissions to subside. And, you know, Carolyn, I know through your work, you, you actually have the evidence in terms of showing how long it takes for volatile organic Organics. compounds to start decreasing. And formaldehyde's a bugger because it takes longer. That's right. And in the United States, um, I mean, Canada's a little a bit more advanced, but in the U.S., you know, when we look at this green building standard or we look at the European standard for formaldehyde, it's set so low that the United States never reaches it. I mean, in all 30,000 houses that I've checked in my career, maybe let's say I did half of those were formaldehyde uh, measures. We're looking at, you know, nanograms per liter were 40, 50, 60, 80, a new built house, 120 nanograms per liter of formaldehyde. We can never touch that European standard or even come close. So when people see the results and they say, oh my gosh, my house is laden with formaldehyde, which isn't a carcinogen. We also know in 2009, the report went to the president of the United States and we were looking at what were the big carcinogens. Formaldehyde was a huge problem. So we know in the United States, we can't even touch a healthy level the way we build now. So it's got to get changed. And, that, and ventilation isn't going to change that. You cannot just say, okay, we're going to put an ERV on an HRV and we're changing that formaldehyde level. We actually have to change product manufacturing and, and how we're doing it. Yeah. And then, you know, possibly for another conversation, because Eric, I know you're into kitchens. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we're we're designing kitchen cabinets right now for this home that we're doing. And the amount of work to try and change the solvent lines to water-based <laughs> lines and the hit that we're taking um, from the manufacturer saying, hey, I got to, you know, prime the line, uh, uh, bleed it out and go mm -hmm. through it. And I got to go bleed it out from the water um, and put back the solvent. By the way, I have my new kitchen, Caroline. I have a water-based conversion varnish finish in my kitchen. By the way, so I do have water-based. <laughs> that, that that's great. And we have one plant in uh, in Ontario that went all water-based, and they went mm -hmm. at extreme cost. And uh, you know, they raised something like uh, you know ten million dollars or something of that nature yep. uh, to create this uh, this this plant. And unfortunately, there isn't enough. And you know, our cabinets are delivered completely exposed. Anything you don't see, it's exposed. They don't put any time into it. So it's bleeding. Whatever toxins are inside, it's coming out. Um, and, you know, there's there's no protection. It's bad. I mean, I, you know, I've designed kitchens and baths for nearly 30 years. And as a designer, there's many times that I would have to run over to the manufacturing facility if it was local and grab parts. And I can't tell you the hundreds in hundreds of times that in my SUV that I have a bag of parts in the back that are maybe little filler pieces or door fronts and drawer fronts that I'm driving with the <laughs> windows down because my eyes were watering and I couldn't see to drive from the off-gassing of the parts. It was like I was standing in a paint room when I grabbed those parts because they were dried, they were wrapped up in plastic, they were shrink-wrapped, they were packaged for shipment, and I'm driving and I can't even see because I, my eyes are watering so much from the, the fumes and chemicals coming off of that, uh, just leaving the factory. So I can't tell you how many times that's happened 
And when you put that as an entire kitchen in the house, Forget it's it. a whole new story. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think just like, you know, when some of the companies that, that could make a difference, there is no large company that doesn't have an HR department. There's no large company that doesn't have a sales or marketing department. And so why in the large building uh, uh, companies, isn't there a chief wellness or health officer, someone that can uh, exactly. guide, the business, guide the decisions that are, are made that affect so many people in terms of dealing with it. And there's always a trade-off. You can't go too far one way because no one's going to pay for it. Every company should make money so that they can use that money in the right kind of way. But there's a way to do it that I think if you educate the end buyer, and they have at least a choice, they may make the choice that we all think uh, is right. Yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges that we had, though, in cabinetry is as a, as a designer, I would have an option from a company that I could use the, the NOF plywood, the no-added urea formaldehyde plywood, but it was 15 to 25% more depending on the product, and that's what the charge was for it as an upgrade in a kitchen. And... 90% of my clients that I would talk to about it would say no. And, you know, the 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 continued price pushdown, and that just came down to, be honest, the lack of education with the homeowner. They didn't, I if I tried to talk them into it, it sounded like a sales pitch, but they should have paid a little more attention in hindsight to those numbers. Yeah, and, and those numbers can change based on buyer behavior. And so I've done a deep dive on all sealants, um, caulking uh, adhesives. And I can tell you, there's no question it's more. But when you look at the relative scale of a house that, you know, doesn't matter which country uh, we're talking about, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a house. And so you take uh, one that is commonly used that might be $8, a sausage or a cartridge or whatever, a tube, mm -hmm. whatever way you want to put it. <laughs> and you get the one that's got the lower VOC, but substantially lower VOC. It's $12. So on a mathematical scale, that's 50% more, but you're only using two, 20 of those tubes. And so yeah. you're paying for, you know, you're paying uh, $4 times 20, 80 bucks to reduce in some cases, the VOC count by 70 fold. Ooh. You know, you're going from 350 grams per liter down to five grams per liter. That's right. And you know, the give, the give on it is they don't perform the same. So, the one that's $8 actually is great at minus 40. And the one that's $12 is great at minus 17, not past it. But who's building at minus 17? And so, you know, the, you know, the more vodka that they put into um, the, um, uh, the sealant, of course, it's going to perform better in, the, in colder weather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. That, by the, that, by the way, was a meta, <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't want anybody out there drink, I don't want anybody else out there drinking sealant, right? So. You, well, no, my, you my, my vodka that's in the freezer is still pretty thick, so. <laughs> if you mention booze on this show, Andrew, you get to come on again. Erica, Eric, so <laughs> yeah. you'll be on next week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we're going to have to, we're going to have to wrap this up in a minute, but I had a couple questions. One, just what is your favorite type of sealant? For that, do you have a a certain style that you that you like? Since to kind of wrap that thought up, versus you know you've got your latex, you have your different types of silicone out there. What do you uh, what do you like to use on your projects? Yeah, so so right now, am I allowed to mention the names of the companies? Yeah, sure. of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so right now, I've I'm a big fan of Silco. 
Um, I think they've got a great product and they're into the hybrid category, which where I think sealants are going to go. So, you know, you're going to have the best of silicone and the best of poly. um, And you'll end up with a product that's got best best of both worlds in terms of drying feature and in terms of pliability where you need it uh, in dealing with it. Their products don't cover everything. Uh, The amount of work that I've done to find an acceptable acoustical caulking um, that would work. Um, and I've, you know, come to the conclusion I, I got away with it because I changed the, uh, the vapor barrier into something that's a nylon ba- uh, vapor barrier that's actually smart and breathes. And okay. so as a result of it, I can use the sealant that I found that's got an extremely low level of uh, VOCs. Otherwise, because of the poly, I understand you have to have the solvent. And so now you're talking about products that are in the 125 to 150 grams per liter range. Mm-hmm. The one that I'm using is now 45 grams per liter because I haven't tested it and I'm gone, gone through it. I'd rather not say the name so that people don't rush out uh, sure. to go through it. But, but I've gone to a nylon-based membrane versus a poly-based membrane. And that's like the that only reason I can yeah. get away with it. That's the only reason I can get away with it uh, in, in, in dealing with it. AFM is a pretty good company and they've done a lot of stuff in this area. Um, And so a lot of their sealants and a lot of uh, the products that they have um, are generally uh, well-performing overall. Um, And so, you know, I think if you just peck at it and you read the MSDS sheets, that's the manufacturer's code for having to stay honest. Um, And they're not not easy to read, but there's lots of help online to be able to understand. Normally there's disclosure of VLCs in the same box uh, on it and it changes when you go to the SDS which is where the world is shifting to yep um, I also find the manufacturers don't keep their sheets current um, it costs money to keep them current um, and so they don't always do it and if you got something that's green guard certified as an example um, that same product you might find is no longer green guard certified uh, but it, I would call the manufacturer and find out if it just fell out of uh, place because they didn't renew their requirements soon enough. And I found that many times where I'm actually helping the manufacturer where I don't want to preclude the product um, and saying, why don't you have a, you know, you had a green guard certification before, but now you don't. Um, and it's because I think they expire every five years. And mm-hmm. if you've got thousands of products, um, this becomes a problem. Just the management of it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Andrew, we'd love to have you back on because I would love to dive into really building technology a little bit more on a, on a future episode because there's so many ways to build a house now, you know, whether it's a, yeah. a SIPS panel or a, or a regular stick framed or concrete or block. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that down the road. And I know Caroline has got her stuff as well, right? Eric just wants to talk about booze again and bread and and cheese. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, but is we, there something we, wrong we, with that? We didn't get into uh, pizza and focaccia, and you know, oh. if, if, if 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 we do do this again, I'm going to do a search of uh, both your places and see what uh, the uh, the world says. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. So. Andrew, where's the best place to track you down out there? Where is the best place for people to find all about you? Um, Earth.com. Uh, and that's spelled E-R-T-H because the other one was taken. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, and, and incidentally, Earth stands for 
every revolution transforms humanity. Um, and it stuck in my head and just, I couldn't get it out of my head. Uh, and so that became the, com that became the company uh, in doing it. Um, we, we started social media in April. Um, and so you you can follow us on, on Instagram at Earth Homes uh, and you'll find us in various forms. But earth.com, you can get to everywhere that you need to go to. And that's um, E-R-T-H, everyone, not Earth, like E-A-R-T-H. So it's E-R-T-H.com. And if you want to learn how to build a healthy home, understand healthier homes, get wellness at home, this is a place to start. Educate yourself and just start learning about how important it is to your health. We, you know, we watch what we eat, we exercise, we go to the doctor, but we forget that our environments are just key to our wellness. Yeah. Yeah. And as uh, Professor Joseph Allen at Harvard has said, uh, Builders, contractors, designers have more impact on your health than doctors. And, you know, not exactly those words, but I'm pretty Amen to sure that. that I paraphrased them. And uh, the other thing I'll just put a plug in for earth.com is under the knowledge tab, you will find all kinds of articles. I've uploaded over 300 of over a thousand that I've been tracking because uh, I was told that anything more than 300 is insane. Uh, so <laughs> so you'll find links to associations, you'll find links to some standards, you'll find links to all, all, all kinds of interesting learning. We've tracked it under the Earth 20, so you'll find it under uh, uh, the way that I've categorized, so you can trace it back to what I'm doing, uh, and, and we'll continue adding on top of it. We want to provide the scientific research that supports why we've made the decisions that we've made. And so those articles for anybody that needs to know more about water, air, sound, even the electromagnetic frequency is, are all there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today, man. And, uh, this has been absolutely epic. I learned a lot and, uh, can't wait to have you back on again. Thank you for the thanks, invite. Andrew. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered Anywhere beyond the mean Life is a love song, let's be lovers Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.